Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Just sit at his feet right now. Just sit at his feet right now. Drink from that cup. Hallelujah, God, we praise you. Just worship him, church. Just magnify his name. Lift him up. Right now, Father, we glorify you. Father, we magnify you. We lift you up. You are so good to us. We love you. You, we love you, Lord. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your kindness. We thank you for your grace in our lives today. We sit at your feet right now, and we do welcome your presence into this place, Lord. We welcome you into this place. Have right of way, God. Teach us, Lord, that deep love, God. Show us that love. God, let us feel and experience you today, God. We did not come here, God, to to fulfill some obligation or duty. We came here to commune with you. We came here today to hear from you. We came here today to celebrate and be with you, to further our lives, to, to walk with you, to talk with you, God. Let us hear your voice, God. Feel your moving. Sense your presence today, God. Move in our lives, God. Let us sit at your feet. Father, we thank you, Jesus. And we pray, God, right now that you would move. God, move in every heart in this place, God. Lord, touch our lives, God. Do for us what we cannot for ourselves. We pray, Lord, that you would pour out healing of all kinds, Father. Heal every body, every physical body in this place, Lord, that's struggling, everyone that's sick, Father. We pray that you touch them, Lord, and minister to them right now. We declare by the stripes of Jesus that they are healed in Jesus' name. We pray for emotional healing, mental healing, God. We pray for spiritual healing, God. Pour that that golden oil of healing out, God. Saturate this place, God, with your healing power. God, cause, God, that oil, God, to drip down, God, to, to stick upon us, God, to touch our lives, God. And as we leave this place, oh, Lord, Lord, that that healing, God, would go with us. And, Father, those that we encounter, God, uh, would be uh, affected. And, God, that they'd be touched and they would feel, God, the, the power of that healing in their life, God. We pray, Lord, that souls would be changed, God. We pray, Lord, that people experience grace, hope, and transformation. Father, we pray today, God, for you, God, in this place. God, answer our prayers, Father, we pray. Father, we surrender to you right now in Jesus' name. And we give you this time, Father. We give you this time. We refuse. We refuse to go quickly, God. For, Lord, we don't want to miss a moment with you, Lord. We don't want to miss a moment with you, Lord. So we slow down and we take this time and we give it to you, God. We give it to you, Lord, that you have right of way. Lord, whether we're in this building or whether we're watching online, Father, we give you this moment, God, and we love you and we praise you. And we thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated this morning. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Ah, hallelujah. Church, that's so powerful. Amen. Oh, we want to release all the youth today. If you're here, you're junior high, high school age, you can go out. Alex is waving back there. Amen. I just want to encourage you to take some time to slow down. Amen. Sometimes we get in such a big hurry to, you know, it's like 
we're checking off boxes, and sometimes when you check off boxes, uh, you can miss some really important things. Can you say amen? So we want to take that time to just worship him and just, uh, you know, just like that song says, to sit at his feet and to fellowship with him, to experience that deep love. He has such a wonderful love for us. Amen. Praise God. Hey, just before we get uh, started in this service today, a couple things that I want to bring to your attention. Um, Out on the table in the foyer, you're going to see two cards. One looks like this. We've had this out there for a little while. It's a, a, a welcome home card on the front, and then on the back it has a map to where our church is and, and a phone number, email address, all of that service times. Um, so what we've created these for is so that you can pick these up, put them in your car, take them with you. If you're with a coworker, a friend, or you're at the store, you can pass it out and just invite people to come to church. So it's an invitation, just something really simple. It's nicely done. It's, it's kind of durable. And so it, uh, it's, it, it's nice. And then we have another one. Now, this one's a little bit different. It has kind of a business card feel. But what you do with this one is it actually folds in half like that. So on the front, it has, of course, our logo. And then on the back, service times. But on the inside, when you look on the inside, it has what's called the ABCs of the gospel. And so A is admit, B is believe, C is confess, and then there's just a short little prayer. And so this is designed uh, both to help you and anyone you may be witnessing to uh, to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so we've made these. We, we're asking that you pick these up. We've got a lot of them. We want you to pick them up often. Don't just do it one time, but pick them up, take it, uh, and then pass those out, and you can share uh, with uh, folks in your life, wherever you may be. Praise God. Isn't God good this morning? Let me just say this as we uh, enter into our message today. Today, you know, last week, um, last week was a, a real um, um, uh, time where we uh, spent some time looking at Scripture and theology. You know, it was one of those heavy times we looked at, we went through a lot of Scripture and all of that. Today is going to be a little bit different because what I want to do today is I really want to share from my heart. I want to share what God's given me. Um, I don't believe what God's given me is mine and mine alone. Uh, There's no doubt that what God has spoken to me is for me, uh, and there's a lot of personal things in it. I was sharing with the, uh, uh, the 830 service, I said, one of the things that I don't like about preachers, and there's a lot of things I don't like about preachers, uh, but one of the things that I don't like about preachers is that we tend to be, as a group, very adept to preaching theology, but not so much giving you practical information. And one of the things that just irritates me is that I hear a sermon that will just move me. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, wow, this is coming right out of the Bible, and that's so good and so powerful. But how, what does that look like? What does that, uh, you know, how do you, how do you do that? You know, somewhere theology has to be practical. When you take a moment and you study the life of Jesus and you listen to the words that he spoke, he spoke things that were very, very practical. They had daily, everyday life applications because Christianity was never meant to be some theological pie in the sky where we just have all of this information about God. Christianity is an encounter with the living God. Can you say amen? Christianity 
Christianity is a lifestyle of walking with God. That's what Christianity is, is we're living like Him, we're walking with Him, we're talking with Him, we're experiencing Him, and ultimately our lives are having an effect on the world around us, okay? And so it's got to be practical. And so last week, I know I, I, I talked to you about the mystery of prayer, and we talked about that, and that was great. Today, what we're going to talk about, and the title of my message today is called Prayer Unveiled. And so what I want to do is I kind of want to take the veil off it. What does prayer look like? What is it really about? What's happening? What's going on? And so if you will, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, we're just using this verse just to kind of launch us into that because it speaks to this subject. Um, And once again, it does speak very practically. So Paul writes to the Philippians, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I love that. And the reason I love that sentence is because it is so easy. It's not rocket science. I didn't have to get my my Greek concordance out. I didn't have to look into a commentary. It was pretty simple. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about what? Anything. Pray about what? Everything. See, my problem for a long time is I worried about everything and prayed about nothing. That was my difficulty. Uh, I got really good at that. In fact, when you looked up worry in the dictionary, you saw my picture. I know that that, that was in an older version of Webster's Dictionary, but it's still around. Um, but the reality is, is that's what I struggled with. That one sentence right there is what I struggled with. He goes on, he says, tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Once again, very simple, tell God what you need. And thank him for what he's done. And then notice this. I love this. He goes, if you do this, in other words, there is a specific and dramatic result to this activity. Amen. And there's a reason why I'm saying that is there's a specific and dramatic result to this activity. You will experience God's peace. So, so the reverse, the converse of that is true. If you're not experiencing God's peace, it's likely you're not doing this. Pretty good logic so far? I mean, it's not rocket science. So do this, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than human minds can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So this is the whole platform. This is, this is everything that God wants to tell us. Can you say amen? amen? And so from this, this is what's stirring my heart. This is what God has gotten a hold of. Now, last week, we saw the importance of prayer. And what we said is the fact uh, that God does nothing except an answer to prayer is really mind-blowing. I mean, when you think about it, that God does nothing, and could that be actually true? When you think about that, God does nothing? Nothing. But I thought God was sovereign. He is. He's absolute sovereign. No doubt about it. Nobody will take anything away from his sovereignty. But you're saying, Pastor, he does nothing except an answer to prayer. How can that be true? It seems a little bit maybe, uh, maybe there's just a little too much in that. Maybe, maybe you're, you're giving yourself or you're giving humanity a little bit more than what it needs or, or, or what it's really 
able to accomplish. Well, I want you to think about this because that sentence bothered me, to be, a, be just frank with you. It, it really bothered me because, I, I, you know, if somebody came up and said, well, prove that. I don't know that I can prove it except through experience that there has been times in my life, and I know there's been times in people in this room where God has uh, inexplicably, he has, without seeming any reason or any, any momentary reason, woke us up in the middle of the night and said, pray. And all of a sudden, you're praying. And it's like, I don't even know what I'm praying for. And God doesn't, you know, and God's not obligated to give us reasons for things. He just says, do it. And so it has become my understanding that at times God could be on the other side of the planet at work needing to move but needs somebody to pray so that he can move. So he wakes you up to pray. And you begin to pray and God says, now I got a vehicle I can move in. And he begins to use that prayer. Could it be that simple? I believe it is. I believe that's how important prayer is. I believe that God, in his sovereignty, has limited himself to work within the confines of human endeavor called prayer. Can you say amen? And God had something significant in mind when he started this plan of prayer, and that was an on-the-job training program for his bride to overcome the devil. That's what we're doing. Because prayer is not begging God to do something which he's unwilling to do. I know, I have felt that way. Much of my prayers have been hindered because I felt like I was wrestling. Look at no one gets into a wrestling match with God. So what about Jacob? He wrestled with the Lord only because God wanted to. Do you get that? It's like, well, he wrestled with the Lord only because God was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Go ahead, wrestle. It's not like we get into this match with God. We are no match for God, okay? And so somewhere we're not, have to, we're not having to wrestle <clears throat> with God's reluctance, but what prayer is, is we are enforcing Christ's victory over Satan. Prayer is the implementation, I said that word wrong, of God's will upon the earth. It's you and I enforcing heaven's decisions in the lives of men. Therefore, prayer changes circumstances. Through prayer, we overcome the enemy. We enforce his victory. We advance the kingdom, and we establish God's will in this life. Therefore, this morning, this prayer is where the action is. If you're here today and say, man, I want some action, it's found in a little room on the next building called room number nine. It's the prayer room. That's where the, you say, no, no, the action's right here. No, no, this ain't action. You can train a monkey to do what I'm doing. <clears throat> I'm, I know you nice ladies up front think I'm all that in a bag of chips. But I guarantee you, you could train somebody to be up here, okay? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, gosh, I'm getting myself into a hole. I understand there's anointing, and I understand that there's calling. I get it. I don't diminish, diminish that. 
My point is, is that if you really want to affect the kingdom of God, you affect the kingdom in prayer. Because let me tell you, what happens from this stage began in prayer. And if prayer don't happen, then this don't happen. This becomes very dry. This becomes very routine, very rote. It becomes a liturgy that literally just gets us through a schedule. God help us if all we do is reduce our church service down to a schedule. God help us. Now, I know if we don't have anything else, then God help us to have a schedule. But look it. We need to touch heaven so heaven can touch us. Can you say amen? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we talked about this. We talked about the fact that prayer is the secret to a breakthrough. There is no one today that hasn't had a need of a breakthrough. Whether it's been in your marriage, in your children, on your job, in your finances, in your health. Well, let me tell you today, the battle you are facing right now will be won or lost in the privacy of your prayer life. When it comes to the subject of prayer, the Bible is absolutely clear. Listen to these verses. Ephesians 6.18, pray always with all prayer and all supplication in the Spirit. Romans 12.12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. That's a whole nother sermon. Continue steadfast in prayer. Colossians 4.2, devote yourself to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. I want you to think about this for a moment. E.M. Bounds wrote a book years ago. E.M. Bounds was a, a, a man of God that lived in the 1800s, and he wrote several books on prayer. And in his book, Purpose in Prayer, he writes this. He says, God shapes the world by prayer. Prayers are deathless. The lips that uttered them may be closed in death. The heart that felt them may cease to beat. But the prayers live before God. And the God's heart is set on the prayers, and they outlive the lives of those who uttered them. Our, they outlive the generation, they outlive the age, and they outlive the world. Could it be? Could our prayers be that important? I believe they are. Listen to, listen to Revelations 5.8. It says, when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. What does that mean? That means right now in heaven as we speak, there are golden bowls that sit before our Father in heaven, which angels hold, and they are filled with your prayers. And they are filled with the prayers of the saints of days gone by, and they are precious to God. In fact, the Bible says this, the prayers of God, or I should say Ian Bounds said this, the prayers of God's saints are the capital stock of heaven by which God carries on his great work upon the earth. And the Bible is filled with stories of people who lived under the influence of God and they were able to do it because they prayed. There is one famous story, and I'm, gonna, I'm moving quickly through this because I want to get to a special part of this. 
In 2 Chronicles 26.5, this tells the story of a young man. He is probably a teenager. He's probably anywhere between 14 and 16 years old. His name is Uzziah. And the Bible says he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Uzziah was a teenager. And he became king, and he reigned 52 years, and he became, outside of David, he became one of the most successful and powerful kings in Judah's history, and his success is unparalleled. Why? Because he knew how to pray. He sought God. Can you say amen? The Bible stresses one point. The Bible stresses one point. And that is God helped him so long as he sought the Lord. The problem is, church, that for many of us, and look at, I'm going to tell you a story here in a minute so that you understand. For For the problem for many of us is prayer is so hard. It's difficult. Let me just, can I just take a few moments and just tell you about my journey? Because I want to tell you that prayer did not come easy for me. In fact, my journey, my prayer journey that I'm preaching on right now began about two years ago. Okay, so I'm 55, so that means it started when I was 53. Now, I've been saved a long time, and I wish that I could tell you that I've had this enormous prayer life. This, you know, that's shaped nations, but I haven't. Prayer was hard. It was difficult. Oh, I prayed, but I struggled in it. I labored. Prayer was a drudgery. It was, it was not easy. I'm just being honest because I don't know that a lot of preachers will get honest with you. And this is the problem. See, somewhere we got to get honest. I struggled. And I know people, and I know people in this room are struggling. Maybe not everyone. Maybe you're the exception. But let me tell you something. Prayer is difficult. And the reason is, is because, see, in any other relationship, see, when I started my relationship with Kathy, the benefit I had was she sat in front of me. So when I was going to talk with her, I saw her reaction. I saw her eyes. I saw her face. I saw her smile. I saw her frown. So when we were, list- when we were learning about one another, I could tell what, what actually she enjoyed by her expression. I could tell what she didn't enjoy by her expression. Okay, so there was this interaction back and forth. Now every preacher on the planet will get up and go, hey, just go have a relationship with God. Good luck. Is this too honest? (laughs) Am I just being way too real here? Okay, because it's tough. You know, most of the time when I was in the prayer room, I felt like I was talking to the chairs in the prayer room or myself. And that's what happened is I would get in arguments with myself. I started counseling myself over my prayers. It's insanity. I would start to pray. I would, I, like, so let's say I'm going to pray for, right now there are two Andys in my life. My son, Andy. And there's a young man that I'm working with. His name is Andy. And so when I'm praying, I say, oh, Father, I'm just lifting up Andy right now. I pray that you... And in my mind, I would go, 
Well, I hope God knows which I'm talking about. <laughs> so I'd stop my prayer and I'd say, well, God, what I'm really doing is I'm talking about not Andy, my son, but I do want to pray for him, but I'll get to him in a minute. I'm talking about, and so I would start this stupid circle of logic. Or if I, then I would qualify, like I would want to say, you know, I would, I want to, would, you know, I would hear preachers say, just get honest with God. And I would want to get honest about my struggle and I would say, you know what, God, I'm really having a hard time believing and, and you know what, I just don't see what you're, you know, I don't see your word happening, but God, you know, I'm not giving you an ultimatum. I do believe, God, I, oh my God, I'm stupid. What, I don't even know what to say to you, God. And then everybody says, well, just pray in tongues. And so I pray in tongues. And, and then I would go on autopilot. And now I'm thinking about Star Trek while I'm praying in tongues. And that can't be healthy. And I'm going, well, Lord, this is something's got to change here. I don't get this, man. I, you know, and it was just on and on. And I could tell you funny stories. But two years ago, something happened. And this is what I want to share. So two years ago, Mike and Brandy uh, Fields were over my house. I had Gable and Katie, Mike and Brandy, and uh, Andy and Shay and Jason and Courtney. They were all over my house, and we were doing a Bible study. And Mike had sent me a, a thing on, on text or I don't know, however they send stuff. And he sent it to me and, and said, hey, watch this video. And I think it was probably about an 11, 12-minute video. And this man, this very, very famous pastor, he is uh, doing a conference, and in the conference, they're going to do communion. And so he's beginning, he's, he's, he's talking about communion, and he's sharing as he is going through the elements of communion, the bread, you know, and the, and the blood, as he's going through that, those communion parts, he's explaining to the group of people that are there how him and his wife take communion every day. And that, you know, that was foreign to me because it almost shocked me because I'm like, well, is that even right? I thought, now wait a second, isn't communion something we do around Easter? Maybe at Christmas if we're lucky? Maybe, maybe once or twice throughout the year we do it? Every day? And then I got studying, I thought, well, maybe he's, you know, because I'm, I'm looking, I want to be right, so maybe he's violating the word. So, you know, I go in, and uh, lo and behold, the only thing that I find is it says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so he didn't put out a, God didn't put out a number. In fact, he says, as often. So one would think, you know, if he wanted it to be least, he would go, as seldom as you do this. But he didn't. He said, as often as you do this. So you would think that it's up to the individual and God. It's part of your relationship, how you choose to express that. So they decided to do it every day. So Kathy and I made a commitment to one another that we were going to do this every day. So he goes through this, and I'm only going to give you a few details here. But he talks about the bread and how the bread represents the broken body of Christ. And what he said he would do is that because the broken body of Christ is absolutely the payment for our healing, it is the, it is the receipt that says paid in full, that now we have the power through the communion um, expression to declare healing. 
So he would say, he says, what we do when we take the bread, we pray for those that are sick. We, I declare by the stripes of Jesus that so-and-so is healed. I declare by the stripes of Jesus, this one healed, that one healed, this one healed. And you know what? Lo and behold, all of a sudden, people are starting to get healed. They're changing. He goes, and we started telling people about this, that if you're sick, you should do that and declare yourself. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And this bread, this broken body that I'm taking right now, that I'm receiving, is the payment in what you did, Jesus. You did it deliberately. You didn't do it by chance. But you carried my sickness and disease. You bore my pain. And by your stripes, I am healed. And I take this now and receive it as payment for my healing. And then he went on with the, onto the blood. And this is the thing. This is the part that just kicked my uh, legs out from under me. This is where it threw me off into this, into this journey that I'm in, in a good way. He made this statement. He goes, when I consider the blood of Jesus, the first thing I do is I forgive those that have come against me. And so he began to talk about how that there are ministries that have been set up for the sole expression or the sole purpose of discrediting his ministry. And this is what he said. He said, you know what? What I do is I pray. I pray first to forgive them. And then I pray for them and I honor them as fellow believers in the Lord. I honor them as being a part of the body of Christ. He says, all that other stuff is none of my business. It's between them and God. But I pray for them, and I honor them, and I forgive them. And you know what? When I watched that, I had tears in my eyes, and I looked at my wife, and I said, when I grow up, I want to be just like that. And so we started, we embarked on this. We started this thing. And I would like to tell you that we lit the fuse on something, and it just went wild. But it did not. In fact, much of the next year and a half was extremely difficult. And you say, why is that? Because we were, we were launching into something that was going to change our lives, and hell knew it, and there was some pushback. How many know what I'm talking about? And there were times when it would be 11.58 at night, and I would wake up out of a sound sleep and go, Kathy, we didn't do communion. Turn the lights on. Let's do it. Say, really? Couldn't you, you know, you didn't think God could just kind of skip that day? I don't want to skip that day. I don't care what God wants to do. I'm doing it. There were days that I was so ticked off at God, I didn't want to do communion. And I'd look at her. She'd be sitting on the bed. We'd be sitting on the bed. She'd have her little communion cup. I'd be there. And I'd go, you got to pray. I can't. I can't do it. And sometimes it'd go three, four, five days before I could pray again. Are you, are you really admitting that I am? And you say, why is this? Because you know what? I'm one of you. I'm one of you. And you know what? This whole thing about being special, Kalichi, I'm not. I remember Howard used to always say, I'm not special dirt. I'm just dirt like you. I struggle. I struggle, man. And so for a year and a half, we pushed and we pushed. Even when we traveled, we went to Mexico and did a, a, a marriage retreat down there. We took these little um, uh, pre-made communion cups with these little wafers. It would have been better to eat the package than the stuff they had in it. 
It was horrible. But we did it. Every night we took communion. We took communion. We could, when, we, when, we went to, when we went to Reading and we took Alex with us, we made Alex and Amy take communion. When Oliver, little Oliver and Titus are over and they're spending the night, guess what? They take communion. Oh, my God, he's only three. Yeah, somebody's got to teach him. And I know his parents are. I'm not saying anything about his parents. But we're going to teach him too. This is, this is what it is. Jesus' body was broken, Titus, so that you could be healed. And this represents that, and we're going to take that. We take that in, into us. We ingest it because it becomes a part of us. And his body was shed. Every last drop of his blood poured out on the ground so that I could be saved. He who was pure and knew no sin, the Bible says, became sin for me, and that wasn't the worst part. Then he went to hell. And he carried the sin, the sickness, the the disease. And God's justice was unloaded on Jesus because of my sin and your sin. And then God, once his justice was satisfied, took his mighty power and raised Jesus from the dead and brought him back to life. And now we can walk in newness of life because he became sin who knew no sin so that I could be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we drink that little cup knowing that is what my Jesus did for me. And then as that began to grow, my prayer life began to become more and more um, intense. And finally, about November, December last year, I preached a message to you guys. You didn't even know this was going on. But there was a message that I preached to you, and it was called The God of Restoration. How many remember it? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. <laughs> the God of Restoration. And in there, I talked about Ezekiel 37. In Ezekiel 37, it's where God takes the prophet to the valley of dry bones. And he, he has the prophet survey the valley, and he sees that they're very dry. And then God says this to him, prophesy over those bones. And the thing that I had never seen, I have preached that, I don't know, 20 times. I've got lots of sermons on that verse or on that story. But i never seen this before. I was in the prayer room, and God showed me this. He goes, John, take a look at this. I told him to prophesy, but then I gave him the words to say. He said, I didn't tell him just to go talk to the bones. I didn't tell him to go just say anything willy-nilly to them. I gave them the words. And he goes, John, I am going to give you the words to say. And so I came home, and I, I began, this took me probably about a month to pray this through. And I came home, and I told Kathy, I said, we're done taking communion at the house. And she says, why? I said, because God's going to give me words to say. And I said, what we're doing is we're coming down to the church, into the sanctuary, and God's going to give us the words to say. I don't know what they are. And so at first, on January 1st, all I had was scripture, a a few scriptures that God had given me. But by January 4th, God gave me the words. He gave me the words. He says, this is what I want you to say. And so I begin to pray that, and, and then the next six weeks that unfolded have been nothing but miraculous. There has been a new level of confidence. There has been a new level of revelation. I've been looking at the word differently. There has been a new level of intimacy in my wife and I. There has been a new level in my family. Oh, yeah, the devil got stirred up, but we're knocking him out. 
You know what, I, I, there's times where it comes, and you know what, things are changing in me, things that I would not have done before. I'm able now to rise up. I don't like it, but I, I'm able to do it. Why? Because my God never leaves me or forsakes me. He says in his word in Isaiah 41, he says, I will assure you, you will have the assurance that I will help you and I will lift you up by my righteous right hand. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And now he's given me a pattern. He's given me the words to speak. And it's changed me, church. It's changed me. And the thing that I want you to get, I, I'm not saying you've got to have my words because you need to have your own words. God will give you your words. But here's, like I said, I'll come back to the thing that I said in the beginning. The thing that's so frustrating about sermons like on prayer and this kind of stuff is the preacher never gives you any practical application. He just inspires you and he gets you all excited and then you go home and go, well, it was a great sermon, I'm excited, but I have no idea what to do. What does that look like? So, here's my words. And I've made you copies. So when you leave, there's copies. Harry, Pastor Harry will have them in the foyer. Now, this is, just, this is just minor. Mine's 13 pages. Yours is four. I know you went four pages. It'll take you five minutes to read it if you read it. But if you pray it, it'll... You say, well, those are your words. You're right. They're my words. It's a starting point. My hope is that as you go through this, you start to do this, you'll awaken something inside you. Paul wrote this, Paul, Paul wrote this, and I, 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 I'll just put it out there. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. So I'm asking you to follow me as I follow Christ. I'm asking you to listen to me because I listen to him. Knowing that you're going to be able to listen to him real soon. Knowing that you're going to get your own words. So what I did is I, I'm just going to go through this just very quickly, and then we're done. We're out of here, okay? So it says I, I begin with prayer. Because, you know, Jesus, when, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, and we probably ought to take a page out of Jesus' book. Uh, that's probably good, right? Jesus said, pray this manner. Or in other words, pray this style or, or this. He didn't just say, here's the Lord's prayer, pray that, and you're good, you're golden. He said, pray after this manner. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So I begin with worship, and then I honor his name. And you say, what do you mean you honor his name? See, his name declares his nature. And his name declares not only his nature, but it declares how he interacts with me. And so I go through and I start off, I, first I do is I, I, just, I just tell him how wonderful he is and I thank him. I, I thank him for my family, my wife, and all that God's doing. And then what I do is I start off with El Shaddai. You are more than enough. You're the all-sufficient one. You're all-powerful. There's none like you in all the earth. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus, you are awesome. And every knee shall bow and every tongue confess to the name Jesus. And I lift that name up because that's what he told me to do. Then I go through and his name is Elohim. And I know the word Elohim just means high and lifted up or it means ruler or it even means God. But in the context of, of, of Genesis chapter one in the beginning 
God created. That phrase is Elohim, and it's another word that means the expression of energy. I can't even say the word, but when you look at that, he is the God of creation. He is all-powerful. By the words of his mouth, he formed the moon, the stars, and the sun, and by the breath of his mouth, he holds everything together. He formed dirt into a man and breathed into him, and that man became a living soul. He is the great and wonderful creator. He is my creator, and he is still creating in me. He is still creating that which he purposes in my life, and I worship him as Elohim. Then he is Elohim Shemaiah. He is the God who hears. He hears me. His ears are turned towards me. He hears the cry of his children and rescues them. And then he is El Roi. He is the God who sees. He sees my going. He sees my coming. He is aware of everything that's going on, and he is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Shammah. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is Jehovah Shalom. And on and on, and I've got them all listed for you. You say, why is that? He said, how, how, do, how can you preach? You're not using notes because I have prayed this and prayed this. It's so in me. So now I actually start looking for Jehovah Jireh to show up. When I find a dollar on the ground, Jehovah Jireh just went like this. There you go, John. I'm going to show you what I'm made of. When I get a check in the mail, when I see God move, all of a sudden I realize it is my God and there is a name for that part of his nature and I will worship him. Then I move into forgiving. I forgive, and the Bible says this, Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he said this, but I say to you, love your enemies. Church, if we're gonna be Christian, we can't be Christian on our terms. We have to be Christian on our terms. Did he really mean my enemy? Yes, your arch enemy, your mortal combat enemy for you young people. That's probably actually even old. Mortal combat, is it even a game anymore? Okay. My, my, my children are telling me I have, to, I have to bring my examples up to date, so I'm trying to. Your PUBG, there's one. <laughs> PUBG. You say, what's PUBG? I know, I don't know either. PUBG, I... It's a game, I guess. I'm still playing Pac-Man. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. And there's some of you in here don't even know what Pac-Man is. I mean, it's like, okay. But it says pray for your enemy. It says bless them who curse you. Bless them who curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that spitefully use you. So Kathy and I, every day when we pray, I pray this a couple times a day, but I'll say, Father, I bless those who have hurt me. God, I pray good comes into their life. God, I pray grace and favor on them, and I release them and forgive them right now in Jesus' name. And even if I'm in a season where there's no one that's hurt me in my life, I just pray for the people that irritate me. God, I pray for that one that cut me off in traffic the other day. I pray for the guy that figures out the timing of the stoplights in Kingman. I pray for him in Jesus' name. And I go through that. Once I get through that, then I go and I consider the broken body of Christ. And what I do, church, is I do this right here. Look, 
As I consider the broken body of Jesus and all that it accomplished, I know that you bro- your broken body is payment for my healing, my physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. And so now I speak to the spirit of infirmity, the word of God. The Bible says in Psalms 30, verse 2, Bless me, O Lord, my soul. Forget not all of his benefit. Or that's actually Psalm 103. You heal me, God, of all my disease. You forgive me. And I speak to him the word of God. The only way I'm going to speak to the devil is if I'm saying the word of God. That's the only thing I'm going to say to him. And then I go from there and I make my declaration by the stripes of Jesus. And I pray for you. And then I consider the blood of Jesus and I plead the blood over my family. I plead the blood over my family. And I say, give, my, give us a heart to know you. Teach us the ways of the Spirit. Let us encounter you. Let us grow in an intimate relationship with you. Give us visions, dreams, revelations. Give us wisdom and understanding. Let us see your moving, hear your voice, and feel your presence. And sometimes even those little trigger words, I'll get lost in one of them for a half hour. Because it's not about completing the list, although I do try. It's about praying what he gave. Then I move on from there and I move into spiritual warfare. Now, church, this is what he gave me. And I'm going to read it to you because this is very important. This, when I said on the fourth day of January, this is what he gave. And that's when we started coming here. So we take authority over all the works of the enemy. And we declare from your word in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, that says, You have given us the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Therefore, we take authority. These are God's words, not my words. Therefore, we take authority over every curse spoken against us. Words spoken in anger, malice, jealousy, criticism, or even unintentional conversation. I plead the blood of Jesus over those curses and I bind their power. I command those words to fall to the earth, to dry up and blow away in the wind. They will not prosper, they will not take root, and they will not accomplish their aim. And I forgive those who spoke those words, and I bless them. I take authority over the seeds of destruction that have been sown throughout the years. Seeds that have been sown as a result of sin, selfishness, fear, worry, insecurity, and anger. I plead the blood of Jesus over those seeds. I bind these seeds from growing and producing fruit. I render them all lifeless. And I release the life of God to the seeds of righteousness. And I speak life to them. They will produce the intended fruit, and by divine grace, they will increase and multiply. I bind the spiritual enemy who prevents, withholds, and hinders. And I bind the strategies and the plans of hell, and I plead the blood of Jesus over the spiritual forces that seek to hinder and withhold. And I release angels to do battle, to remove the hindrances, and to bring back all that is ours and that you have intended to give us. Those were the first words. Now, he's obviously added a lot to that. And it's becoming very common for me to say to God, what do you want me to say? Give me the words to pray. And he is willing to give you the words. And church, this didn't happen overnight. Let me warn you, it won't happen overnight. So if you walk out of here and you take this and you do this for three days and nothing happens, then get in the boat with the rest of us because it ain't going to happen. Get over it. Is that too honest? Okay. It took me a year and a half. I'm not exactly sure how many days it is, but it's 18 months. 
It took me a long time before things begin to change. Because God showed me something. He says, John, the problem is, is they don't understand what they're doing in the prayers. They're building a habitation. And before you build any building, you have to go down before you go up. And the problem is, is nobody likes going down. Nobody likes doing foundational work because it's expensive. It takes a lot of energy and there's little to show for it. But without doing the foundation, everything you hope to build on it will not last. Jesus says, if you build your house on sand, when the storm comes, great will be the fall of it. But if you build your house on a rock and the storm comes, it can rage and blow and beat against that house and it will last. Well, church, I've had my house blown down a couple times. I don't know about you. I'm tired of cleaning up the mess. You know, I learned a long time ago in construction, you can do it right the first time or you can do it over and over and over again. You know, when we were building this building, this building's a metal building that has metal uh, red steel all through it. And the joke was always back, we've built four metal buildings because the first three times were wrong. You can always do it over again. Well, you know what? I was kind of lamenting this the other day. I was praying and I said, God, why, 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 why couldn't you have shown me this when I was 35? And here's how he answered me. He goes, just be glad you're not at 85. God, why show me at 55? Just be glad you're not 85. See, for God, it's vastly different. There's all kinds of things that are happening. And church, we just need to be glad where we're at. And we need to be consistent. We need to say, you know what? We're doing it. This has cost us. You say, what do you mean? There's been times when she has been busy. I have been busy. We've come to 50 different things down at this church. And we've been around. And all we really want to do is go home and sit. And we sit there and we go, it's time to do communion. It's 9.30. She's in her pajamas. Okay, let's go. Let's go. We're going to go do it. Why? It's that important. It's that important. It's changing me, church. It's changing me. I said to her, I said to Kathy last night, it was funny. If you know me really well, you'll know the significance of this statement. I said, ever since we started this thing in January, I said, I'm a lot happier, ain't I? And she goes, you are. You are. I even, this morning, I even was the first one to give her the good morning nudge. That's changed, man. I I did. As I was walking by her to go get in the shower, I kind of pushed on her like that. And I kind of chuckled, and I says, That was my good morning nudge. And she goes, I know, I receive it. Church, I'm telling you, it can be fun. It's a journey. But you are going to feel resistance. There will be pushback. And there will be times when you don't want to do it and everything inside of you. And let me just tell you, there was a, I'm going to tell you this story and then I'm done. I apologize. This is important. There was a moment the other day, and this was probably several weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. I was having a particularly rough day, and I had one of those days where, have you ever had one of those days where the darkness, the depression, the, the hopelessness just kind of comes in and it sits on you and it seems like it came from nowhere? There's not necessarily anything going on, but it just kind of sits on you. Kathy was doing virtual school, and I had to be really quiet. She had the class going, and, 
and <clears throat> I had to be on my good behavior. And, and so I'm sitting in the bedroom, and I'm sitting there, and I was praying. I said, God, I can't, man, I can't take this. This weight, I can't take it. I can't, I hate this. I hate this feeling. Absolutely hate it, God. And I said, and Father, I am at a point where I cannot see where truth ends and lie begins. Because I know not every word I hear in my head is God or the devil or me. I have to discern what I'm hearing. <clears throat> Just because I hear something in my head, even if it sounds good, doesn't mean it's God. And so I have to discern it. And I said, God, I can't discern it right now. I don't know. Right now I feel like a failure. I feel lost. I, I can't connect with you. I don't, I don't know where the truth ends and the, and the lie begins, Father. So here's what I'm going to do. And I said it out loud. I'm talking out loud. So I'm sitting on the edge of my bed, and I said, so, Father, this is what I'm doing. I'm taking this and giving it to you. And what I'm deciding right now is I'm going to go work on my sermon. That's what I'm going to do. And I went and did it. And I walked away. I went and started working on a sermon and started getting into the Word. And all of a sudden, that whole thing began to lift off me. I didn't even recognize it was off me until later on I went, oh, I feel a lot better. And you know what? I'm convinced that God saw. And he goes, here, let's just do this. But church, let me tell you something. You have to take the prescription as directed. If you go to the doctor and he gives you a prescription... And he says, take four pills four times a day for 10 days. And you come back after three days and say, yeah, I took a pill and a half and you were a quack and it didn't work. It ain't the doctor's fault. You didn't take as directed. We blame God for a lot of stuff because we just don't stay in it. We just don't keep doing it. Church, I'm telling you, this changed my life. So, as you're leaving the building today, you can pick up one for your own. And hopefully you can have a starting point to build your prayer journey. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We pray right now, Father, that you would just stir our hearts. Father, give us a hunger for prayer. Father, help us. Speak to us. Give us the words that you would have us to speak, God. And Father, we just love you today. I wonder as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you're here today and you say, you know what, I don't know Jesus is my Savior. If that's you, would you lift your hand real quick all across this place? If you're watching online, this can be for you as well. Amen. Why don't you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you, come into my life to forgive me of my sins to be my Lord and my Savior in Jesus name Amen if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the 101st time greatest thing you did if you're online and you prayed it let us know put a note in the comment section and then we'll get a hold of you if you prayed it here come up to one of us and let us know so that we can help you Amen I, I kept you a little long again I'm sorry you could pick up this as you're leaving uh, in the foyer, please pick one up and just at least read it and consider it. God bless you. Let's stand to our... Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.